0: Today, we're gonna take a look at a graph from Viridian Capital Advisors about US cannabis dominating deal flows on how US companies are raising capital and acquiring at a faster rate than their Canadian counterparts, all coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So again, taking a look at a report from Radiant Capital Advisors on how Canadian uh, uh, companies are not being able to take advantage of the deal flow that the U.S. is uh, because they're just uh, overrated, if you will. A lot of speculation went up into the markets when they went publicly traded. Uh, but right now with um, kind of the suppressed valuations, there's private companies, they're looking for um, private equity deals, and that's just where a lot more people are going to uh, in the US. So diving into this report, we can see the volume of capital raises and the number of acquisitions that Canadian and US companies have had completed since 2018 and 2021. So the bars are representing the amount of capital uh, for Canada in the blue and the US in green. Um, for each uh, year that they've represented since 2018. Breaking that down, Canadian companies raised $4.9 billion in 2018, representing a 3.9x, uh, the $1.2 billion that their U.S. counterparts raised. But over the last few years, there's been a major change. And so far in 2021, U.S. companies have raised $5.6 billion. That's approximately 1.8 times their Canadian counterparts. So U.S. companies, they've raised more money in the first eight months of this year. than in any full year since this deal tracker began. So let's break that down. So if we go back to the very beginning, there was early capital constraints for a lot of U.S. companies. That's given some opportunity for a lot of these companies to uh, try to scale or um get additional SKUs, become multi-state operators even. So uh, getting more strong revenue growth, uh, as we mentioned the last couple of years, it's been a huge shift of trying to get cleaner balance sheets, more revenue growth and looking for uh, additional SKUs and markets to achieve that. So looking for p- positive EBITDA, as you're kind of trying to expand their operations in new legalized markets, institutional capital is taking notice they're being attracted by these Uh, shiny objects out there right now, not really understanding the profitability, but seeing that growth uh, and trying themselves to jump in. And so we're going to see some stupid valuations uh, even more than we've seen in the past. Uh, Another reason why we're seeing the U.S. market kind of take off Uh, More so than Canada, or at least kind of taking their turn this time around is we're seeing significant early capital deployments by large Canadian LPs that were poorly conceived. So that's when Aurora and Canopy built 250,000 square foot facilities and then giving them away because they realize they're just producing too much. Um, They thought that if you build it, they will come. That didn't work out too well. So they had to write off billions of dollars uh, for flour, for beverages, for just about everything because they don't know what they're doing. Uh, Whereas in the U.S., we didn't have that kind of capital to waste. And so a lot of these companies um, tried to save as much as they could. I mean, there's some that spent a million dollars and didn't produce a single gram. And then other ones have just kind of slowly figured out which market Some people try to sell infused coffee, realize it's just not the market. Uh, Even though home to Starbucks, they went down to Oregon. That's apparently a better market for grab and go, ready to drink coffee. So we can see from the graph, there's also acquisitions. So the acquisitions made by Canada in blue and the U.S. in green from 2018 to 2021. Canadian companies acquired nearly 211 companies in 2018. That's twice as many as 103 acquisitions made by U.S. operators. The difference in acquisitions between Canadian and U.S. uh, continues uh, to tighten over the next couple of years uh, until year to date. Operators are acquiring 122 companies in the U.S. That's 1.4 times their Canadian counterparts. So let's take a look at why that might be breaking down. Um, Obviously, there's more deal flow and there's capitulation, people are looking to get out there's too much um, hemp companies out there. Uh, Some people are disillusioned. I know that folks in Washington thought that they would get a lot more notice and without the vertical integration, and those that didn't, um, you know, move outside of the state, no one's looking at them at all uh with the exception of maybe if you're distressed a distressed asset and wanted to sell for about 15 cents on the dollar but there's going to be a lot of egos involved in that and altruism and all these other things that aren't going to allow people to uh if they haven't already expanded and scaled and and done those things um a lot of those people won't this might be the last opportunity to do that but um time's taken away, really. So let's look at uh, what the U.S. operators are doing um, to kind of uh, excel excel or expand beyond their Canadian counterparts. The MSOs, right? There's been a lot of private equity into these multi-state operators buying up commercial real estate at all-time highs. Kind of see where that goes. I think it's going to follow the same suit as MedMen. You've got a lot of open real estate. People are just not going to go back to a office centric workplace, meaning that a lot of these metropolitan areas aren't going to see the flow that they used to and all of the commercial real estate that went into you know with the investments are going to see Uh, Price corrections, we'll call it, Uh, a collapse in the housing price, commercial, residential. We'll see that eventually. I know it's kind of crazy to say that now, but wait till like 2023, 2024. um, I think we'll absolutely see that. So um, large MSOs, they've driven that pace. They made use of their valuations, their first mover advantages, Um, and now they're kind of targeting um, smaller operators. You've got acquisitions of U.S. companies uh, that have cleaner balance sheets, um, fortified with cash. They have accretive transactions. Uh, They've done the wise thing of taking small, uh, high-margin products and then um, focusing on those. So... um, that's another thing that a lot of folks out here in Washington aren't really doing. They don't have a lot of SKUs, and then when you try to talk to them about business development, um, they're they're being distracted by like beverages, which have a really historically a really low margin. Uh, and costs a lot. You need a lot of money to get into that, no matter what industry, infused or otherwise. And then uh, the last reason that U.S. operators look like they're doing a lot better than their Canadian counterparts is that the Canadian companies are increasingly looking to enter the U.S., bringing money with them. So they're gobbling up companies left and right, uh, knowing that as soon as they can take them public, that those valuations will skyrocket. So um, Another thing to look at is obviously with, uh, maybe not obvious, but with federal legalization or the allowance for banking and therefore accounting, maybe 280E uh, will be eliminated. Uh, 280E is an accounting um, uh, structure where it doesn't allow companies to write off uh, expenses like employee wages. Once they do their profitability and EBITDA will increase, their fundamentals will look much better and therefore trade at a higher valuation. So something else is take a look at it. Uh, in addition to the US kind of dominating this deal flow in the US, um, some markets are better than others. If you wanna take a look at a distressed assets and in, in markets in Washington uh, and Oregon that have way too many licenses, maybe you're looking at new entrants for Illinois or New York, Arizona, maybe you're holding out for Florida or, or New York. Um, New Jersey looks interesting, even though 70% of uh, municipalities don't want it, uh, makes those licenses even more. But then when you have direct sales out of California and you're bypassing those licenses with federal legalization, is are those licenses even worth anything? and all these questions you should be looking at from an investor standpoint, uh, or if you're just interested in the market, knowing that uh, things that you put in, like a $25 million investment into a retail license could be literally worth nothing. So uh, invest wisely. This isn't investment advice though. It's It's only only entertainment. entertainment. So with that, we're gonna roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.